0: Hey everyone, welcome to New Slang. I'm music journalist Thomas Mooney, your host. And this is episode 108, where I'm joined by Bobby Duncan and Donovan Dodd, the co-hosts of the music podcast The Co-Write. We started talking about doing a two-parter the other day, and this is the result. Which, this is part two, so if you haven't listened to part one just yet, go check that out over on The Co-Write's feed, and then come back right here for this part. As you'd expect by now, I'll throw a link To their iTunes feed into the show notes. During part one, they basically lead the conversation asking a few questions. And then during this episode, I lead the conversation and they answer. And in between, we have a music festival draft, six rounds in total, three rounds over in part one and three right here. I of course think I won, but y'all can be the judge. There was a little bit of controversy even, but of course y'all can judge who won the, the music festival draft. If this is your first time listening to New Slang, I strongly suggest hitting that subscribe link. If you just did, I'm giving you a virtual high five right now. New Slang is over on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and basically any and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Go check out the New Slang merch store. Grab a koozie, some stickers, buttons, and magnets. Any bit helps. I'll throw a link into the show notes. And if you're into playlists, go check out Tom Mooney's Cup of Coffee and the Neon Eon playlists over on Spotify. The Neon Eon is for all your nostalgic 90s country needs, which there's going to be more Neon Eon related stuff coming your way pretty soon. And then Tom Mooney's Cup of Coffee is a regularly updated mix of new Americana and country music. It's also a really great hint at who I have coming up on the podcast. So yeah, go follow those. Thoroughly enjoyed talking with Bobby and Donovan about music, getting their views and perspectives on things. This is a long one, so I won't keep you waiting that much longer during this intro. Here is Bobby Duncan and Donovan Dodd of The Co-Write.
1: Obviously, all of the things that we just talked about will not be on there.
0: It, it's That's <laughs> all going to be on the, that's all on the record. <laughs> um, exactly. So... Um, Yeah, like, I guess where I want to start out with is the scene is such a, like the Texas music scene, as far as like the, whatever we want to call it, it is very easy to get in, like on the inside of it, but it's also like very, it can be very difficult to get onto the inside and really feel like, you know, these people, um, do you feel like – I guess, like, how did you guys get morphed into being to, – to feel like that like you're actually on the inside looking out and, like, accepted by uh, not just your peers but, like, you know, people that you went to go see shows of and, and stuff like that? Did, at what point did you feel like, you know, oh, I'm part of the I, – I can talk to these people in a real way? I think
1: – I think f- from the podcast perspective of the co-write, everything that we've been able to do is based on what we did f- as artists before, you know. So I m- met Donovan, I mean, shortly after I released my very first record. So that was 06. We probably started hanging out in 07, 08 and writing songs immediately. And that turned into my second record, which came out in 2009, Faith, Hope, and everything else. Both of those records were produced by Walt Wilkins. Uh, obviously, one of our, Donovan and I's closest friends now, still, when I mean, we talk all the time. And that's a huge in, from a name recognition standpoint. Like, if you have somebody like Walt, who pretty much every artist respects in this scene then you have an instant kind of foot in the door to to join the party and on the you know outer p- parameters so to speak um and i basically as i started playing and more and more shows and opening for people and being on the road with guys like you know brandon Ryder, right a lot during his heyday but even pat randy wade donovan was always with me and so They knew what he did. They knew who he was. He's well, like welcomed into the circle because he's part of the gang. You know, he's no different than anybody else. He's either tour managing or he's hanging out uh, just to be a part of the part of the party. And that all happened, what, like eight to ten years before we ever (laughs) started doing a podcast. You know, the podcast came about in a different way. So I think, I think like anything else, like, you know, it's you're, we were welcomed in from a songwriting perspective. And mm-hmm. then when we turned it into doing something a little bit different, it's been us asking for the favors and, and getting them earned. And, and because of those years, I don't know, I'll let Donovan elaborate too about what it feels. I think for him it'll feel differently than it does for me.
2: Yeah, it feels completely different, like, because I don't feel, I still, I. this is something I struggle with every single day up till today.
1: You this is his humility.
2: his humility. No I, just, no, I just truly feel this way. I, you know, and it's, it happened long before even Bobby and I met, like I was a dude that was again, like my age, I'm 45 years old. So I was going to a lot of these shows. And when I say a lot of shows, I mean, I was going to every freaking show. You know, and and I was the dude. I was even up front with eight beers, watching Pat Green at the Groovy Mule in '98. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like an idiot. You know, like and trying to
1: get you an idiot. Come, like, no, a, no, try- no, don't sell yourself short. That's badass.
2: Well, it's just one of them things. So by the time I met Bobby and we became friends, and then we wrote songs that we were like, "Holy shit, I think these are good." And then Walt was like, "Yeah, these are good," and. A rec- another luckily he had already had a name and his record had already been out. So there was already something there, but to answer your, I think your original question, it's, I still struggle with it, man. Like I, I still <laughs> feel like it's the imposter syndrome to the end Right. degree. Yeah. I don't feel like I belong, even though I know that we've written some great ass songs and Bobby's music is very good. And, and though may, there's probably a lot of people out there that maybe don't aren't familiar with it because it just didn't, you know, if they weren't listening to to this type of genre 12 years ago, they missed the last record that came out, but it's just, um, it's, it's a, it's a, always a struggle for me, even though I feel cool with these cats and like most of them, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm comfortable, but I'm never like, Oh yeah, they're going to know who I am. It's always like, yeah, I'm the dude that's like kind of always hanging around Bob,
1: (laughs) you know? (laughs) Exactly. And I, I would say that both of those answers are (laughs) kind of how we view the scenario, right? So for me, I'm accepted from the inside because I'm the guy who's up there singing the songs. For Donovan, he was a fan before I even started writing songs, period. So it's hard for him to feel accepted from the inside. But to give you an example, a podcast we released a few weeks ago with Brady Black you know, Brady knows Donovan, remembers him from all the times we've we've interacted, and knows exactly what we do, how we do it, refers to him with an like, so like it's an acceptance, like it's there. It's just easier for me to feel like I'm in the middle of this group than it is for Donovan because, well, you know, he doesn't. You're have the guitar. one on stage. Exactly. Yeah,
0: you're the one, yeah, the one okay, on stage. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I think the imposter syndrome is something that we all kind of. Can struggle with because um you you, you've seen it a million times where you're backstage with somebody and there's always somebody who comes in who thinks like they're best friends with whoever it is who's been playing that night and you know they maybe hang out a little bit too too long longer than they should and then they walk out and then or you see that artist kind of like Going, oh, you know, blah blah is coming up here, or this guy, and but they, you kind of have to put on that that face, I guess, for a lot of people to please a lot of people when you're an artist, and always in the back of your mind, you're going, hopefully, I'm not like overstaying my welcome, you know, and yeah, well, I don't
3: know.
1: as an artist you know, you can kind of realize when it's, I remember, well, I'll bring up a specific scenario. I remember, um, a show that Pat Green played at Billy Bob's and Donovan and I, we were, we were both like, let's just go and and check it out. So we go through the, you know, send the texts out, get the, get good treatment, go to the show. We're sitting right up front, go backstage at the end of the show basically see how many people are in the room and like pat knows who i am i mean like we're just friends and, and he knows donovan by proxy and we just look around the room and the type of people that we are we look around the room and we go all right let's go like we're Get gonna go the fuck out of here yeah we're gonna go somewhere else and just sit down and have a beer like we don't i don't think that we feel the need to be in those scenarios even then and that was years ago definitely don't feel it now and, and yeah. even on shows that I'm playing with a bunch of people like you look for your closest friends and you're like hey you guys want to get you guys want to go to the white elephant or you guys want to go to this other place or like let's just get go out of here and get away from all these people
0: yeah i think like now it's probably so much more simply because everyone is looking for the 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 instagram shot like i, I maybe yeah i get that shot with the artist but also, I want to be in the background of everyone else's shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I think it, to a degree, too, some of these guys
1: have become more. I, I mean, I'll use the word famous mm-hmm. than I think any of us thought was possible 10 years ago. Yeah. And they're also older and, you know, everybody has a family now, uh, especially the tier one guys like you don't there's just scenarios you don't want to be involved in anymore because you've been around them for a decade. Yeah. So I think a lot of that, from my perspective... Well, the again, the
2: older tier ones. Like, there's some yeah. younger tier ones yeah. that are still out there turning
1: it all the way up. <laughs> well, and good we for know. them. Yeah, because yeah, they man. Should. Fuck yeah. That's don't, what they're supposed to do. Yeah, That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you don't miss Go out ahead, on your... Go ahead, Parker opp- and Co. Do yeah. your thing. Don't miss out on your opportunity because it goes quick. You know, it does. And it could end. And we've we watched the the person who would be position one on the Mount Rushmore of Texas red dirt music kind of fall back to reality a bit. And I was there for the majority of it, you know, wave on wave came out in Oh four Pat's record. We're talking about Pat green came out in Oh four. I made my first record no six and Pat's entire band played on that record because Walt had toured with them the year before and so i knew them all i'd been around them i opened shows when i had a band finally in like 07 08 uh and then watched it all happen and to, i mean just to be perfectly honest pat is way more pleasurable to be around now than he, than he was back then you know he's older been reality's been checked a little bit and and i think a lot of guys remove themselves of those situations D- I would put the same question on you, Tom, how do you feel if you find yourself in that situation? And cause like, we'll just say the next charity event where there's going to be 4,000 people uh, and every artist in Texas that has a name, plus guys like me who don't have a name, like, you know, like you're talking about like four or five groups of people. I'll, you come, you should come to that and, and be a part of it. How would you feel in that, scenario like would you feel like you're in uncharted waters or would you feel comfortable
0: you know like i i feel i'm always a wallflower regardless of place i it could be you know uh hanging out with family on during thanksgiving i'm still kind of like on the outside um so like i i I I'm comfortable in in situations like that but I'm also just kind of like it's because I I find the familiarity of whatever exactly. that place is. So um I guess like it's it's um I'm I'm also of the of the, the type of person who I'm really comfortable with silence. Um I'm comfortable not talking with people and just watching and doing my own thing. And that's probably because most of my life I was alone, uh, an only child. I was my little brother's 14 years younger. So it's, I feel like that's been, um, a part of, of it. And, um, so to answer your question, like I kind of let people come to me more so than the other way around. And sometimes people think of that as being, you know, uh, an asshole or like thinking I'm better than them or something like that. But are it's you, like, are
2: you a blue light celebrity?
0: No, 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 no. I hope not. I um, mean, no, seriously.
2: <laughs> do people know you there though? Like they've got to know you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean like I've got my, my spots at blue light where that's like, kind of like my corner, like my, you know, there's, there's this one corner at blue light that more, where, more so where the musicians will hang out and that's where like I've always
2: It's like a coffee machine and a,
1: no <laughs> coffee
0: maker <room>. the, <laughs> the end of the bar that goes towards the bathroom like yeah yeah. yeah that that oh, corner okay. right there yep. and that's um the prime position in that is like closest to the bar on the wall mm-hmm. and you're just able to watch people from there and you're able to like stay in conversation with people and donovan that same position to the bar that same position exists at
1: Magnolia Motor Lounge. It's the between the jukebox and the end of the bar. Yeah, sure. Uh, against course. that wall, yeah,
0: yeah that's, right on. It's
1: the exact same spot.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's kind of like my my spot as far, and I guess people know who I am, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's you always get right. people. You always get people to come up and be like, hey, "Are you uh are you Thomas Mooney from Twitter?" And you're like. <laughs>
1: from twitter
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i guess so yeah Uh, (laughs) well that depends yeah uh
1: no but i think to answer your question i you know i think donovan donovan still deals with a little bit of the uh I, i don't know how to how to say it properly because it's it's you know his own feeling but he deals with like it, we'll just say like if, if i live here in new jersey now if somebody's coming to town donovan will be like hey man do you think it's cool if i reach out to them and it could be drew kennedy and that even took you know six months for him to to get the comfort of just reaching out to our friend drew who we dude, both know even
2: like rodney
1: yeah and and it's just like yeah just ask him to put you on the list dude they don't fucking care like they don't want to. They don't want your money. Like they want to hang out with you. They want you to be there because they know you and they like you. And yeah, I hate that shit. I hate it. Yeah, I know. And so he has a really hard problem with it. For me, it's completely different where I've just been in the game for so long that that's just how things operate.
2: Well, there's <laughs> just a difference, man. You're an artist, and I'm not. And that's like we write well, songs together, and it is what it is. And I, that's, and what that's just that's this is what it's taken 12 years. This is like therapy. Thanks, Tom. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, it just I don't feel that
1: way, and it doesn't. But I still feel weird about it. It doesn't exactly, but that's what you feel, and that's not what the other people feel. That's what I was trying to portray is they yeah. view you in the same light that they
0: view me. Yeah, like the the asking of of to put you on a list kind of thing. That is, um, I guess that's where that's, that, that makes you really, I, I can relate because it's, it's one of those things like, do well, I, let,
2: if it's just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, let's just say it's a sold out show.
0: Yeah. You know well, what I mean? You know, Rather
2: than, cause I'll pay any other time. Like I would never ask for anything. Like we're paying, yeah. we're paying, we're paying. But if it's a sold out show or if it's like Billy Bob's mm-hmm. and you're like trying to get, a different spot you know right which is a, man that's just the thing man like this feels like such a douche man and
1: for the record i will pay too for people that i uh, that i know that can benefit from having the ticket sale number no doubt mm-hmm.
3: you absolutely like, i'll
1: always be like hey man no, i'm gonna pay for my ticket tonight like just not i mean like it's just what i'm gonna do yeah, uh, maybe backstage but-, but i'm paying yeah, right. You can just leave my my Gristling. credentials at the door and I'll buy the ticket. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess like one of the parts to, to relate it to this is since so much of what I do is you know real like like journalism as far as like you You don't have to air quote it like you're a journalist. That's how we view
1: you in in, in a positive light. Like yeah. you well, well
0: I, I guess like what I'm what I'm getting to is like um, there's this whole other aspect of, of talking with a whole lot of PR people and yeah. like where um, even guys, I know that like, I could just call them like Bauman's a great example with like John, I'll, I can just text him and say, Hey, do you want to do this? And it's worked out and we don't have to go through the PR, but he, it's more, he's fine with that where other guys, I've gone through their PR just simply because, Hey, you're paying for their, for them to do this. And it's maybe a little bit easier. Um, So like going that route. And so sometimes that's even just going like, Hey, you know what, let's make this PR person put me on the list versus you. (laughs) So, or, you know, whatever the case is. And uh, I've been really fortunate and lucky to know all the blue light guys for, for a long time. So like, I'm just kind of, uh, the previous owners, uh, they just told me like, Hey, you're on the list from now on for forever. And I kind of just got grandfathered in on that. So it's been, that's always really great. So you can just, what are you going to do when you move, bro? Oh, I'm probably, if I ever move, it's going to (laughs) be down to Fort Worth, oh no, that's that's even too much. I'm getting stressed already, just even out. Um, so
1: <laughs>
0: who, who, who
1: owns the blue light now?
0: Uh, it's three owners, and it's Lance Lusk, yeah, Justin yeah. Six, and, so, and uh, yeah, right, Jericho. But it's not, I mean, you were talking about David before Brooks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Brookses, yeah, um, they they. Really like I, I was. This was like right when I was starting new slang, and so it was very much like I was getting put on list to to come write about shows so much that they were just like, yeah, hey, just you can just get in from now on. And so then yeah. like just kind of kept that.
1: So when I first started playing in Lubbock, it was a. I mean, it was it like the, you. had to work your ass off to get a gig at the blue light so i played all these terrible places forever my band and i would go up there because like i wanted to play the blue light Uh, and i got in finally um because i had this booking deal with uh bruce kalmick and, and kb talent when they were first starting and they got us in there and once we got in Strute, David Strute and I hit it off really good. And uh, Brooks and I, David Brooks and I hit it off really well. And I just kind of became the guy that they could rely on when somebody canceled. And we would load up and drive from Fort Worth and, and they would always cover David Brooks would always cover a hotel room like that was the, the key. And, mm-hmm. and he may give us like if it was a terrible return on ticket sales, like he might give everybody a hundred dollars and he covered the room and we would just go because we didn't have a ton of shows. And that's how I really got into playing there and played there a lot of times. I probably have played there. I mean, it's got to be 30 times, maybe more than that. And, um, and obviously Lance was the door guy and, uh, you know, uh, six was six was behind the bar and everybody was there. And I remember I brought that story up to, to talk about those guys that own it now, which is incredible to me. But I, because of those years back then we were all being ridiculous, but I remember (laughs) being hammered one night I was in town for Oklahoma tech game. Uh, with some friends that went to tech and just like walked in the front door because I was inebriated and being stupid and 25 or whatever age I was. And I'll never forget this. It's one of my biggest regrets. There was like a line to get in. There were one in, one out for whatever band was playing. I can't remember. And uh, I just was tried to go in the door and Lance was like, oh man, you can get in like you're, you know, you're Bobby, man. You can get in and I'll never forget it. Because from that moment on, I've never wanted to be that guy
3: <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> like I haven't. And I like I know that I can use avenues with the artist in order to get in, but I don't want to just assume that I can just walk into a place where all these people are waiting to see somebody mm-hmm. because I have because I've played there or whatever. And I don't know. It's one of those deals that sticks with you, you know, one of those weird. Yeah.
0: I, I think you always never want to get or you overuse that. Yeah, that just uh, to be
2: that guy, bro. Nobody yeah. wants to be that guy. No. Nope. Yeah. In any scenario.
0: Nope. Yeah, because like you know I'll, that's another really I guess an example is that is like um, if if you've been at Blue Light and you've you've seen regulars walk their tab. And like, sometimes it's like, Oh, the, you know, that f- first time or something like that, you're like, ah, uh, they, they'll, they just cover it or whatever the case, you know, uh, they let you, they, they text you or whatever the case I've never walked a tab, but you, you get what I'm saying? Like you, sometimes you, you're able to, uh, they give you the benefit of the doubt and that you don't ever want to like wear that out basically. Yeah in any kind of situation. So it's, it's uh, one of the
1: rare venues in our state that actually feels like you could be a regular there, you know, like there are, I guess we have the post in Fort worth, which has kind of been from the live Oak to the post where you're a regular in terms of concert goer, but mm-hmm. they're still charging you for your seat and they're still charging you for your food. And you're, yeah, I think it's Magnolia more than the post and live Oak. Well, even. Magnolia is the same thing. Like, you know, nobody, Nobody feels like they could take advantage of the situation. But at the blue light, if you were there all the time, you know, you felt kind of a part of the family. Oh, yeah. Makes that yeah. A you easier. mean
2: like it's kind of like a corner pub?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. But it's also, you know, like, you're going to
2: be back the next day. Yeah.
1: To me, it's top five venue in the state of Texas as a performer. It's the place you always wanted to get into. And once you built that crowd that could draw 400 people, like, you got it. Like, that is a moneymaker forever. Mm -hmm. but as a fan, I could see, and like I did, even as a fan of the venue and an artist that played there, tried to take advantage of it. So I I get it. Like, I understand. You don't want to see it, but I totally get it.
0: Yeah. Because what, and this goes back to the, even just um, being the guy backstage and just kind of wearing out the welcome is, is you don't ever want to be, um, I had a word for it and I just blanked on it. You don't ever want to be like the, I guess like the annoyance, you know, you don't ever want to be the person who, as you've said a million times, you don't want to be that guy, but it's also like, you just don't want. um, Well, I think
1: from, from your perspective, if I, uh, uh, and I, I mean, like I've had people like this before where you're coming to town every two months, three months, whatever it is to play the blue light, you don't want to be the guy that somebody like me in a van driving to love, it goes, Well, oh, we got to f- put up with fucking Tom tonight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And right. I'm not saying yeah. that you would ever be that person. Like, you know, we've already done an hour and a half or two hours of this. So we're boys for life. We're going to swap numbers <laughs> later and we're going to start a co-write new slang text thread and keep it going, uh,
0: for, with ideas, a wire, like, a wire podcast. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have an
2: I'm fucking
1: in yeah, all day.
0: It's going to happen. <laughs> but uh but but I totally get that
1: from your perspective, like that does exist. I don't know if you really have to worry about that because you're a very genuine human and a great music writer and somebody that if if you concern yourself with what the fan thinks about what you write, that's one thing but i i can I feel comfortable going on record and saying that ninety percent of artists are going to a read what you write because we feel the same way Mm -hmm. uh but that is a very real thing like what you were saying like you don't want to be that guy that everybody has to put up with as i make air quotes yeah uh, because they're playing the blue light basically
2: it's like if you're a fan listening to this if you're a person that happens to get backstage or happens to run into an artist that you really like or you happen to be in a situation where there are people that you're like Fond of, and maybe they're semi D list famous. Just be cool.
3: Yeah.
0: Just Just be cool.
2: Just be cool because that's the easiest thing. It's the hardest thing to do, but it's the thing that they want you to do the most. Yeah. Just be cool because they'll love you forever if you're cool. And the next time you're around and you were cool the first time, they'll be like, oh, I remember that one. They were cool. Yeah. You know, and that shit matters that matters to your fill in the blank names of people that you really dig in this, you know, scene or whatever, whoever it is. If you ran into fucking Morgan Freeman or Denzel or whatever, I don't (laughs) like, just, just fucking like, yo man, like maybe you want to get a picture. Maybe you don't, I don't know, man. Just be cool. Like, just be cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's that's one of the things I've always, I used to get so nervous talking with people as far as like doing interviews, we could, it's, it's the same thing as like, Oh, we're, we're just ha- hanging out, talking. That's fine. Uh, put the microphone in front and it was like, Oh God. Uh, you could I hear know it. what to ask. Yeah. And, and, um, at some point you just realize you're just hanging around these people enough where you're like, Oh, these people are just regular people They're I don't know why we, uh, most of
2: them are weirder than you are
0: the, the cult of personality, right. Of like, these these guys as far as they become worshiped by people and then you're kind of like oh man like it's just you don't have to treat them like they're a god you know they so, they, they don't like that
2: especially if you have a job to do you know what i mean yeah. like for you it's like a, you've got a job you know what i mean like but like I, I mean we'll just talk about ryan adams like ryan adams my favorite artist love the cat i don't ever want to hang out with ryan adams Ever, no. ever, ever. I don't want to meet him. I'd probably hang out with Bruce for the record, but but like that, you know, I what was I mean? gonna like say, just gotta, yeah. like everybody's just a person. You know what I mean? Like and you got to be able to realize that you be you, and maybe sometimes you just go, all right, man, I gotta go. Like I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. do this tonight.
1: Yeah. So there, are a couple of things come to mind in that same vein. One about Bruce because I'm with you. Donovan about uh hanging out with Ryan Adams I don't think that we would have a ton to talk about but with Bruce moving up here and this is Bruce country like he's everywhere all I mean like he lives 20 minutes from here and he's around pre-pandemic times he's around to all the bars and the places that he's frequented since he was a kid like he's just around he's kind of Ingrained himself into the culture here that it's not surprising. If you live here for 20 years, you're going to know or run into Bruce at some point, which is crazy to think of, a, an, a, a, in my opinion, an icon of American music. Mm-hmm. There's not many of them, but he's one of them. And you're
2: just out there getting a Snickers yeah, bar every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, exactly. Like, and just hanging so, out at
1: a, at a bar with the people that he likes to ride motorcycles with or whatever it is. Like he's just around. And Reckless Kelly and uh, Randy Rogers Band were on a tour here in like 2009, 8, yeah. 9, somewhere yeah, like somewhere that. The they played the Wonder Bar in Asbury Park and just down the road. And Bruce showed up for sound check, and he was with like three buddies and they were riding their bikes around. They know the owners of the bar. They walked in to listen to soundcheck and talk to the bands for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, and talked about gear and sound and nothing that had to do with the fact that, Oh my God, you're Bruce Springsteen, but had to do with the fact of like, man, your guitar tone sounded really good. Like, what are you using? What are you running through? And that's completely different, but you see that all the time. If you just follow him on Instagram or Patty Scalfa on Instagram, and they're around all the time, they pop into the uh, Stone Pony for sound check. They're just normal people. They want to live their life. They don't care if you want to take a picture. But if you're like, "Oh my God, let me take a picture with you," they they're like, "No, no, we're good."
2: Like they're also always on the list for sound check.
1: Yeah, exactly. At any they're they're like, yeah. When no one
2: else can walk anywhere.
1: in, Bruce and Patty get to walk in and watch sound check. Yeah, because <laughs> they yeah. can't watch the show. Yeah, I know. I haven't, they they haven't been out uh, during the pandemic and good for them. But, uh, but yeah, no, like last summer, I was trying to run into them so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I missed uh, it by a couple hours at one restaurant one time. But
2: Tom, we just totally hijacked that question for like 24 (laughs) minutes.
0: Yeah, sorry. No, no, I mean, like it's, I I try to have it more conversation based, like, anyways, like, again, we, there's no, uh, no rapid fire. <laughs> <Washington's> <laughs> no, <Indiana> shit. <laughs> no shit. Um, no shit. So it's – um, what, what, one of the things I always wanted to ask you guys too because I think you guys have the perspective of of being in this so long that like you've seen these trends that you maybe didn't necessarily think were going to happen you know you didn't really have the foresight to see like oh this person is going to blow up what has been like or or just like a, a shift in music um you know obviously so much of this was based off so much of the, like texas music was based off the guys from the uh the robert rokeens the jerry Jeff walkers willie nelson's um and you get into like the the pat greens the the, the like the 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 named guys right just the um the pat greens the randy rogers the wade bowens um from that point though like it, it feels like we've gone through so many different um i guess movements right uh, as far as what is quote-unquote texas music what is red dirt music what have you been most surprised by i guess is the, what i'm getting to as far as like a, a certain sound or type of band that's that's made it big what has been like the most surprising aspect of what is considered texas music for you guys
1: so yeah i'm gonna let donovan go Uh, because he's been a fan longer than i but i have some ideas too I, i don't know that i'm surprised by
2: anything man because like there's just a there's so many people in in our, our big cities in Texas. And obviously if you uh, kind of count Oklahoma, which we kind of, we have to for sure. um, I think that it's what I've always kind of attributed at least like popularity to is being in a college town. Like it's just one of them things, man. Like you can pick the list of performers, artists, bands, whatever they have. a There is a, reason there's definitely a trend of being in lubbock college station austin stillwater uh that's i mean it's almost kind of it to be honest like you know where there's there's just so many artists that that we're in the right place at the right time and not to say that they're not talented because most of them are but it's just a there's been a, I don't know, just a, the ability to, um, I don't know, ability is the wrong word again, but like, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it,
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I, got. I, I, I think from, from an artist's perspective, th- the craziest thing to wrap your brain around is being in it long enough to see the shift in generations. Mhm. So the one that I grew up with which was Pat in his heyday, Randy, you know, exploding um the resurgence of Wade from Live at the Blue Light to um Lost Hotel um and then your one constant always reckless Kelly, but also Ragweed's uh blow up the you know, I mean that the purple album and and even the uh whatever Sick and Tired record, whatever that was, I can't remember. But, soul Gravy. Yeah, Soul Gravy. Like those records exploding.
2: The best record was the one before that.
1: Yeah, Highway 377. But like those records blowing up and turning it into something that it was never supposed to be and then watching people exploit that in a good way not in a not in a bad way but like use it to their advantage and gain popularity and it didn't really you know like when I was playing a, a ton and you know like Abbott and I would we slept on twin bed mattresses in Donovan's apartment one night after a show at Woody's Tavern in Fort Worth and Will and I stayed at, um, at a studio there in Lubbock one night after we did a song swap at the blue light. And then I cut one of those Mount Vernon sessions, you know, the next morning. And then me and red played at the blue light in a song swap. And then I went to Bluffdale and stayed with, at his mom's house one night when we played a show and all of these guys have gone on and that's kind of the national, the natural progression of things. To me, it's been the last few years where you see people like co Wetzel who I have no problem talking about, Make music that I don't understand and don't see um, an exemplary artistic, you know, I don't know, product come out of them that explode. And then you realize, okay, well, then, you know, the time's kind of passed me by to, to a degree and there's a formula. We talked about it with Brady and I. You know, like I'm really close with a lot of those guys, Randy and those guys in that band, and and Wade. And there's a formula that that the Randy Rogers Band has that is that works across generational lines. And they'll, they're going to be fine for a long time. But you've watched guys like Pat come back down to earth. Guys like Wade, you know, always concerned about, you know the art that he makes is better, I think, in my opinion than anybody else. And he still is concerned with like, how do I put people into these venues? Because he's not doing the least common denominator song all mm-hmm. the time. And I'm not saying that Co does like, I mean, there's stuff that, that Co and Parker do that are, that are good songs. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. I love to make fun of Parker McCollum and the person that he, portrays himself to be on Twitter only because I know from experience that you can't be both. You can't be that person on Twitter and then write good songs, which I think Parker writes pretty good songs a lot of the time. You know, they need refinement in my opinion, but like I think the the bones and the structure of the songs are really solid. And I feel like it's an act. And I feel like that's the way the scenes moved. And that's a natural kind of progression. It's no longer, we talked about this with Brady. I, You know, I, it's in 05, 06, 07, it, there, it was the beginning of the explosion for a lot of congestion in the Texas music scene. But it was still achievable and Will proved it, Abbott proved it, like you could still achieve that next level with good music. hmm now, I think that we have gone full bore into just being a mini kind of national country scene where it's, it's songs that you have to produce songs that people are going to want to float the river to or drive back roads to in order to get on festivals and get choice slots and get radio play. And the quality of the song has diminished because of it.
2: But that, but that being said... There is still a full like tour pipeline of singer-songwriters that are going, you know, like your your Waltz and your Drews and your Griders and Oh, yeah, and Courtney's and Edie's and Adam Hoods, these people that are able to navigate the waters of the entire scene through every town. But what what you've seen not necessarily sell out, but like have 50, 75, hundred people in every town that they go to and be able to make a living. Exactly. Writing great songs.
1: But what you've seen too, I think in the, in the last decade, really when this has all happened is you've seen those people look elsewhere. So you've seen Jason and Courtney go to Minnesota and Wyoming and New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and, and find and they've basically paved the way now for people who want to be the touring songwriter. And then you also still have that massive following of college kids who are looking for party songs that exist. And I think, I think that it all came out of the fact that the guys that were there in 05, 06, 07, they just got older, right? and they can and before still, and before yeah be absolutely before sure that. yeah and they can and they can draw those crap well, but before then i think even those guys were were part of the the young crowd and and could relate to that and write songs that related to those to you who was going in 98 and filling your cargo shorts with beers to listen to back cargo play. pants Oh shit! Even worse, pants, bro. <laughs> pants. Cargo shorts still have utility. Cargo pants, none whatsoever. Yeah, uh, extra pockets. Yeah, down, down <laughs> the calf. Yeah, but they cover your. They heat you. Don't up. worry about it. Shut no, up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but uh, but like I think that that they it's it's split, right? It feels to me that it's split to a degree. I don't know. I've never like I feel like I can be completely immersed and involved in the texas music scene and never go to a co-wetzel show and Mm. and be active but yeah there are a lot of people a lot of people that i'm it just depends on how old you are exactly there's a lot of people that i'm related to by marriage two of them my wife's brother and sister who are twins that are 22 3 now that live off of that other stuff. Yeah. Like I said, because you know, that's what they, they old grew old up are. with. That's their generation. And it's it's weird to me. It's that's been the most um I don't know eye-opening aspect of, is watching the generation shift from one to the other. And I, you know, when my wife's sister, my sister-in-law Bailey, it was in college at AM, uh, she graduated uh two years ago. So when she was in college at AM, she was texting me like, Hey, I don't have any money. Like, can you get me into Mike Ryan's show or can you get me into William Clark Green's show? And I'm like, Look, I'll tell you what I tell anybody else. Like, I'll text Will or I'll text Mike and see what they say. But if they say no, I'm not fighting for it. And of course, like they were always super cool and, like, yeah, of course you're, you know, we'll put her on the list or whatever. And it was always just her and a friend. i never say you can get more than you and a friend, (laughs) but they were always cool with that because I grew up with those dudes and, you know, like we were cutting our teeth at the same time, but to watch it shift away from the people that I kind of idolized to those guys. And then now to completely different people is, is that's been, it's actually kind of been hard to deal with, I think, to a degree.
0: Yeah. It's um, in my opinion, like what, What's what's happened so much? What, where the growth of Texas music has happened has has been on the business side of things, right? It's yeah, it's where it felt like so much stuff of the in the the late nineties, early two thousands was everyone was just trying to figure it out, and it was so much still connected to what the national scene would be, right? As far as like, oh, if you if you want to be a national artist you have to cut a record in Nashville and obviously you saw Pat do that you have seen all these guys go and record records up there and that's where you're you see you would see them try and make that transition while also knowing that Texas is going to be there um the 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 business aspect though has has matured so much where it is like Texas is almost like a a national a mini na- uh, national scene where you do have I, I think like the the biggest thing that i uh people don't want to admit is that one of the reasons bro country is has been a, a big thing has because of like contributions from texas like there there is a bro country aspect of texas music and there texas always music. there always was and and uh so there's that it's i don't know it's it's I guess, like, what it was also, I don't know, like, if so many of these kids grew up listening to um, Blink-182, and, like, I, I have to, like, I'd have to imagine, like, honestly, one of the big things is these, like, everyone playing, like, these uh, X games, like, on PS3 or PS2 or whatever the case, like, Tony Hawk stuff, you know, um, as being an influence, as being... Something that um, that you could get at Walmart that was easy to digest, and then like that being a, a massive influence versus you know years ago the Eagles or the Stones or whoever the case is. I yeah. also
2: think hip hop, man, dude, hip hop. Yeah, yeah. You think Parker and Co. and those guys are very influenced by hip hop? Mm-hmm, you sure. know, like there's just. Like, it, you can feel it in their in their vibe, not not just, like, maybe not all of their music, but a little bit of the music, but definitely yeah. in their personalities. I think... You know, because you couldn't have, like, again, my age, I'm a little older. Like, that, I, you know, you had to have, you had to go seek that stuff out when I was younger. Yeah. You I, know, as, as a person who's 22, three, four, five years old, that was just part of your life. You know, hip hop is, you can't, You can't get away from it right now.
1: I think that from... All right, well, I'll just... I guess this is the unique perspective that I can bring as a part of this triumvirate. So from in 05, when I made my first record, it came out in 06. That was the tail end of the artistry kind of being the thing that drove the scene right like it was uh nashville sucks cory morrow uh nashville blues i guess the song but the shirts you know everybody remembers that blue shirt with the yellow lettering that just said nashville sucks and um pat obviously with wave on wave his second major label album being humongous in in 0405 and being the flag bearer of the texas music scene the the resurgence from robert earl jerry jeff willie those guys when i started the formula that existed then based was completely based around who you hire as a radio promoter who you hire as a booking agent and then who you hire as a manager because it had already started to form to to formulate around this is the way to get your song on the radio Right, You pay $4,000 to a record promoter and they go out and they push your single for 12 weeks. And it was a fight over – you know. I met with a bunch of them like, you know, we want to do this. We want to do that. We want to push your single. I don't think any of them ever really cared about the song. They just wanted the money because that was mm-hmm. a lot of them. $4,000 is still a lot of money to pay somebody for 12 weeks of work to just basically do what they're supposed to do call a radio station, ask them to play a song, go with you to a radio tour, bring cookies, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now it's progressed beyond that where radio is really not that important. And it wasn't then, but we didn't realize that it wasn't uh, because there was the Texas music chart and there's still the Texas regional radio report. None of those things fucking matter. And they haven't mattered ever. You need people to come to your shows. That's what you need. And now it's morphed from being on the radio, and we saw this directly, Donovan, with my stuff, turned into people coming to your show, which it absolutely did in my experience. It's morphed from that into writing the catchy song that gets the most Spotify shares and listens and results in more people coming to your show. And I think that has been more beneficial to the scene in terms of getting new people listened to, but it's been a detriment to the craft of writing a song, in my opinion.
0: Uh, The big thing now is to get on certain Spotify playlists.
1: It's the same thing. You pay somebody to put you on those lists.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think like one of the most – I mean this is something that people probably – it's a given, but sometimes we don't mention it is just how big um, getting all this Texas music put on. I I never used Napster, but like LimeWire, you know, that's like where the first time I ever got any ragweed songs from was, was like, was that. And that, it seems like that's such an obvious reason for, for, Uh, early Texas music or like that, whatever that, whatever you want to call that. They did that on purpose.
2: They did it on purpose. They said, "Put like record everything we're doing at the Wormy Dog. Just put it on fucking LimeWire and Napster. Mm -hmm. That's why people had all these like Cody and Boland, uh, you know, doing all these covers in their own shit.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that's the, it's the, I think it's such an obvious answer that no one really mentions it as like, that's the reason why, there was a, a, a giant boom in, in, in growth in this, whatever this regional Texas red dirt, yada, yada, yada. So, um, the
2: scene. Yeah. yeah we all, we all know.
0: Yeah. I, I just wish, I don't know. I,
2: I wish somebody I wish... would come up with a name that we would all agree
0: on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so the
2: scene is kind of the genre the scene.
0: Yeah. But Scott <laughs>
2: Copeland did it best. I don't know if you've heard his, uh, song where he called it alt texas country americana but like he had like a 20 word thing yeah very funny
0: (laughs) yeah i always love uh i i think like would be funny i wrote like a little uh, this was a long time ago i wrote how no one actually played texas country and i made all these like super long dumb micro genres for (laughs) <laughs> About 25 different artists and it was always like just it's really dumb stuff but um well we have yeah. like a 12 song only titles of parody songs to
1: texas country songs so it's kind of the same thing but <laughs> but like how do you make these
0: worse than they actually are yeah
1: even um, good songs
0: we would take advantage of yeah i mean because everything like I'll, I'll, even a great song becomes a cliche at some point right yeah um yeah. Uh, what I was like, Everclear. Ask.
1: Think about that. Like, how many times did you listen to Everclear when you were 19? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, yeah. you're looking at it now. We're the same age. And you're looking at it now, and you're just like, no, <laughs> no, not a good song. But yeah. then, that's the best song you ever heard.
0: This episode is sponsored by the Blue Light Live and Tom's Daiquiri here in Lubbock, Texas. Like pretty much every bar and venue in the country, Blue Light 2 has been closed for much of the year due to the pandemic. What they've done, though, is adapt and evolve. And so for the foreseeable future, Tom's has curbside service. Monday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., you'll be able to get your Blue Light Essentials. That's daiquiris, beer, hand sanitizer, and snacks. What you'll want to do is call up Tom's with your order, at 1-806-749-5442 and then you'll run by 1806 Buddy Holly Avenue and pick up your order. It's pretty simple. I'll throw a link to the menu in the show notes. While you're at it, head over to bluelightlubbock.com, click the merch tab, and get yourself some much-needed blue light merch. They recently just restocked with koozies, t-shirts, and caps. My personal favorite is this new shirt that they have in cantaloupe with blue ink. I know you're asking, What color is cantaloupe? Well, it's literally like the color of like a freshly cut cantaloupe. As someone who typically wears various shades of denim, probably going to have to get this shirt for that much needed pop of color in my closet. But I digress. So to recap, call Tom's Daiquiri Monday through Saturday for some curbside pickup and visit bluelightlubbock.com for some blue light merch. All right, back to the show. Yeah, it's so strange, like the i think like for for most of the population what you listen to in college is what you kind of still listen to as you grow up if you're not because cause you get the job you get the wife and kids you aren't going out as much you're watching monday night football and you're just gonna continue listening to what you did because you just don't have enough time but like what I've and i've under i've i feel like i've understood more of that um as I've grown up, cause I would always be like, why, why aren't you not listening to new music? Why do you think country music died back in whatever year, you know? Uh, and it's because yeah, you, you had bigger things to more important things to think about than yeah, like your favorite guy, Clark song or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, um,
2: dude, I had a, I had a question written down to ask you earlier, like, how do you have so much time to listen to all this music? Cause I listen to your podcast and I read your stuff and I'm like, this dude actually listens to this shit. Not only does he listen to it once, but he listens to it enough to actually form an opinion on how he feels about it. And he has to, it has to be an informed opinion. Like, so what you're saying is like, I mean, obviously it's kind of what you do, but man, I it's, it's hard, man. It's hard to like, continue to listen to stuff. Like, you know, I mean, we all just kind of, like you just said, like you just kind of fall back into your old ways. Like you Mm -hmm. just kind of just listen to what really does it for you. And yeah, maybe you try some things out. And of course we're going to listen to some stuff, some stuff tonight and, you know, each week, but man, it's, it's tough to keep up with everything.
0: It really is. Yeah. That's, it's super overwhelming because there is just so much more music out there and, um, you know, a couple of years back, I, especially like about two years ago, I was, I felt a whole lot of like, where I I just felt like this was, I'd grown tired. I grew, grew tired of the, the, the routine of it all, because it's, for me, I'm getting a, I get a whole lot of records, right. Before they come out and you think like, oh, that's like, that's one of the initial things that you want as a journalist is like, Oh, I'm getting all these records for anyone else. You know, you're privileged in that way. And then you realize once it becomes more of a job, you're like, Oh, you know what? Actually, when the record gets released, you kind of stop listening to it and you had to move on to the next thing because it's like,
2: and everybody cares about something that you stopped caring about three months ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's like the weirdest part of it is that is like, yeah, like right now, I'm listening to, um, like I, I got sent over like the new Rustin Kelly record and I've been listening to that a lot and I really like it. But once that, get, if I, I may not even write about it or, th- or anything like that, but um, I remember when his last record came out, I had been listening to it, like the entire month beforehand uh, it was released and I really, really liked the record. And then we did an interview put the uh, article out. And then after that, it was like, okay, well, I have to move on to the next thing because, you know, that's, it's over for me on that point. I don't know. It's this (laughs) weird thing. I I hate the, uh, that aspect of it becoming too much of a job. Um.
1: Yeah. Do you ever think, to do you, do you write about it? Like right when you get it and listen to it that way, like you can, um, I don't know, be fresh and then file it away and then release it when it becomes public.
0: Uh, no, I, I'm really horrible with deadlines anyway. So, yeah, like, sure. I, I, I'm never like a, oh, let's try and get this beforehand. Like, let's, I don't know. It, are you, that's very, very are you a Libra? Because <laughs> <laughs> I am, yeah. and we, we don't do deadlines. Yeah, no, um, no, it's i'm a virgo but i don't even know if deadlines are th- i don't know yeah. <laughs> so. oh
2: me too now we got to do it when's your birthday
0: <laughs> august 27th
2: well that's terrible
1: well so you're right before me I'm a, i mean i'm the october 4th so like, i'm I'd september very, 18th yeah i'm the first of the Libras. one of the first first round yeah i don't know what any I, of that shit means but yeah something. i always
0: what i i never really pay attention to it until like Every few months I'll read something and be like, Oh my god, I how is oh, this yeah. how is this accurate? Why
2: how is this is so me?
0: Yeah, it's the same thing with like the person personality test, like the the Myers Briggs thing. I'm like, is this I don't know if this is a real if this is pseudoscience? Dude, I did one, my wife
1: and me do one the other day, and it was like so spot on accurate. It's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> this isn't real. Like, how do they do this is She's just like oh like, like,
2: man, you're seriously an asshole.
1: Yeah, like you <laughs> Hmm. Like you've just preloaded in these, uh, r- these answers, like this response to my test. So I could be like, Oh, okay. oh.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. I don't do the dishes every night. I just do them in the morning or
0: when I get around to it. Yeah. It's, it's the, the 16. Cause that's where I'm like, there's, I guess you're, you're over overanalyzing it, which is part of like the, my, uh, personality, like there there can't be like just sixteen personalities out there, but it, obviously you're like, well oh, it's just general way people are I don't know it's uh <laughs> I don't know man, I don't know it's, I've been pretty tripped out by it before <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um yeah anyways, I was uh I guess like going back to the the this Texas scene, what I think what is really something that I did not necessarily see happening has been the, I think like we, we growing up here, you're, you're so much built on You understand these prototypes of what a Texas band is and it's the front man with a band. And I didn't necessarily envision there being so many more types of bands and artists included. Like, just for example, like Mike and the Moon Pies can be on the same bill as someone like Red Shahan or as Pat Green, or we can go with um, like the Drew Kennedys and like no one really bats an eye. No one really thinks, oh, that's out of place. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if that's... Dude, that happened from
2: the get-go, man. Like, you really? like, yeah, the late 90s, the early 2000s. Those festivals, the coolest part about it was you would show up and be like, all right, there's Boland, who's a straight-up country, you know, just full-on, like, traditional country. And then there's Ragweed, and then there's Kevin Fowler, and then there's Blue Edmondson, and then there's Jack Ingram, and then there's Charlie Robinson, and then there's, you know, Pat. Like, it didn't matter, like... That was the weirdest thing about it at the start. It was it was such a departure from everything from the early '90s. That's why when people like I think we had a little our our uh, Twitter conversation was you said something about like early '90s country. Like everybody loves early '90s country. I hate early '90s country. <laughs> like it's the most it's the most awful shit to me because it's it it was everything I didn't want to do. Cause I'm a hip hop guy, you know, at the core. But so when I got to this Texas country thing, it was like, all these guys are trying to do something different than, you know, not only eighties country, but also that early nineties, like where it all kind of sounded the same, where all these guys were just like trying to be their own thing. And every festival you went to, everybody was different and it was crazy shit. Like it really was. And, and, and it still kind of is, you know, like you can go and see only oh, I mean, Josh Weathers doesn't play country music. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like pick a, pick an artist, you know? Well,
1: so, I th- yeah, I think that in the early, well, the early two thousands, right? Like it was based upon the fact that there just, weren't a lot of people doing it. You know what I mean? There was this group of people that all knew each other that played with each other that were the pioneers of a lot of the venues that we know that the ones that at least still exist and and built the scene like it is today that weren't doing formulaic music. Like they weren't playing like ragweed is ragweed, blue is blue, pat is pat, randy is randy, wade's wade. Um, those people all did completely different music You know, and they still do. Now we've grown into this massive.
2: They've all kind of like segmented into their like a tributary.
1: Yeah. So now, well, I was just saying, like, now there's just so many people involved, and it's there are so many different styles and, and great songwriters that do different things. I think that you get grouped into a genre more based on geography than, um, than sonically. And I think like you could look at somebody like Drew Kennedy and say, Drew Kennedy plays Texas music because he plays at the bugle boy and at uh, the blue light and at the post and all these venues. But in reality, Drew's just an Americana singer songwriter, mm-hmm. pretty basic. Um,
2: it's kind of a it's kind of a bad part of
1: it because exactly. you said geogra- ge- geographically
2: it's really a- almost kind of like because they're from Lubbock because they're from exactly. Austin because they're from yeah I didn't College I didn't. Station yeah, you know it's it like oh it yeah they're a positive. A, they're a, because Completely. because William Clark Green is not Josh Abbott no. and they're not Flatland
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know and they're none of them are Red Sheaan but yeah. they're all Lubbock. Yeah. And they kind of get thrown into the same group. And they're they not all two the completely
0: same, different things. And they're
2: not the same kind of music at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, it, the, the geographic thing, the, the accent thing, I think the accent's more of a national thing as far as like with Nashville, stuff coming out of Nashville, um, just because you sing with a Southern accent, your country. Yeah, and, and or obviously, just because
2: you are from Texas or Alabama or wherever,
0: yeah, and so I don't know. That's a, such a weird thing as far as why somebody's country or not country. Or
1: <laughs> I mean, or, like
0: is Jason Isbell really country?
2: That's what I was about to say, dude. Isbell, even American Aquarium, those guys that's not country. No, no that shit's country. Dude, those guys
1: like th- that. You know, I mean, they would put Bruce on the same altar that I would. I mean, BJ would at least mm-hmm. in terms of of influence, and you know, there's nothing. But Jason Isbell, I don't, I don't think there's been any point of his career where he would go, uh, "I'm a country artist." Yeah. yeah, he's a rock and roll guy. Like, it's just that's his persona. That's who he is. He cares about amplifiers. He cares about tone. He cares about uh, effects. Like, he cares about all of it more than anybody I've ever met. You know, I mean, Pat doesn't play guitar half the time. Like, if I'm playing an acoustic show with Pat, there are two other guys playing guitar with Pat. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, And the same thing goes for guys like Co Wetzel, who wears his guitar at his kneecaps. Like, there's nothing artistic about what they do. Like, they don't care. I had this conversation with, we we did, I guess, with Brady. We got into a lot of the same stuff, I think, uh, with Brady Black. But... My biggest takeaway from where everything's moved now is I don't know that anybody that is coming up and, and is in control of the scene now um, from the new age guys is really trying to do anything unique melodically. I don't think that they view any, anything or their instrument as a tool, like it's just kind of a, an accessory and I don't know if that's the right way to look at it. Like, are we trying to have a scene where the song matters and and your art, artistry matters? Or are we just trying to have a scene where we can put as many people um, into city limits as we can? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anymore. Because yeah. I look... I uh, just one last note. I look at Randy. These things that we've been doing in the in the quarantine time, where people are recording at their house, and you know, I would have maybe ten years ago put Randy in that same category, but I watch him now, and the guy's a fantastic guitar player. Like he's done all of the work to to continue um, improving his craft. And Wade, to me, and we've talked about it on our podcast, and I think Donovan agrees with me. In our opinion, I'll say mine, but I think I can speak for both of us, Wade is the guy that really stands out as somebody who, album by album, tries to better himself and beat what he did before. And we're obviously really early in this new stage of of Texas music, but I'd be interested in seeing kind of what happens in the next
0: two years. Yeah. You know, like the... The thing that I, I feel is um, – the thing that I, I – what I'm most excited about as far as music coming out now, and it's, it, it's not even – I'm not necessarily even talking about just straight Texas because we already yeah, mentioned Bull, cool. is, is I love – and this is something that obviously Springsteen just made it his thing was is, is romanticizing wherever you're from. And like telling why your little pocket, your neighborhood, your place, why it's like important or why it's not important or why it's bad or why it's great. And I think like Isbul really popularized it in the in the modern era with Southeastern. I think after that, he gave an allowance to people to write about your neck of the woods and that's why I think people res- like why turnpike resonates with people I think that's why um people are like one of the reasons why people love Tyler Childers uh and do you guys agree or do what do you guys uh-oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-oh. I don't <laughs> I don't get Tyler Childers, and I and I haven't. Yeah, me neither, man. But but this are, we, not, just, are no, 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 we just no, no, no,
2: old? Are we? Yeah. Is this no?
1: Like, I we, mean, We keep talking about Randy and Pat and Wade, and but, but I don't think that. No, no, spe- but but I don't think it's Just it, because it of a against, specific. Yeah, it doesn't speak yeah. against your point to say that, and we're talking over each other because we're on Zoom and it's there, <laughs> there is a latency. But I, it doesn't speak against uh, to say that we don't get Tyler Childers doesn't speak against the point that you were trying to make. Mm-hmm. I think. That you're I think I guess that my biggest hope Is that The good songwriters Will always um, Persist And outlast And people will find their Their art On their own terms I think I'll say this one thing that I'm, I'm on Donovan's opinion too on this But I think that When you have these guys that we all look at as great songwriters, you have to also understand that the biggest group of people that are in this quote-unquote scene that go to concerts are a lot younger than we are. But at some point, they won't be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they're either going to age with the artist, and the artist will continue to put out things that they can relate to, or the artist will go away. And then those people who still love the scene or the music will go find another artist. And somewhere along that time frame, one of these great songwriters is going to pop into their life and they into their orbit of music and stick and work. And then everybody kind of gets their piece of the pie.
2: Yeah, dude, you, you've said it, man. Like that's, it's, it's all the same thing for everybody, you know, as you, and Tom, you said it earlier. and and we've said this a a couple of times, like definitely in private conversations, what you love is when you had the most feeling in your life, like 17, 18, 19, all the way through 25. If something crazy happened to you at 30, like you latched onto a song or an artist, then like those artists, those songs are the ones that work for you. So like it's an age gap and that that's, there's a reason why like, a generation of people hate the Eagles, which is the most (laughs) insane thing of all time. People who grew up in the (laughs) eighties. I hated the, I hated the Eagles. I'm 45. I hated the Eagles. And then I realized after that documentary came out, I was like, Oh shit, I'm an idiot. The Eagles are awesome. And I was totally wrong the entire time. And, and well, not to say that you,
1: you hated the Eagles for, um, completely legit purposes. It's because, you grew up when classic rock radio, right? Was sure, but beginning. me and in and like,
2: um and seriously millions of other people oh, like well, had sure, the yeah. exact same thing. And so if you, you know, zoom in to Texas music, it's Oklahoma, Texas, whatever, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, like there are people that are twenty five that are going fuck Randy Rogers, man. Fuck way. Well, uh, I think less fuck than Tony Larue. It's,
1: well, I you think, know what I mean. The, like yeah, they are. I, hold on, I think. I think that... You hold on. I think that even more than that, they're saying, fuck cross-Canadian ragweed. They're saying... that's insane. That's ridiculous. But it's not, because they don't know them. They've never seen them, right? So they're like, that's a band that hasn't existed for eight years now, and they're going, why do I care about this? Like, why am I... Like, I don't... They don't play anymore. Like, I don't need this anymore. Randy, which we've hit on before, has their formula. They still maintain um their audience is still very large they did the biggest numbers they've done at like Concrete Street and Brewster Street and Billy Bob's two years ago which to me is the most insane stat I've seen from ticket draws in Texas music like the fact that they were pulling their biggest numbers two years ago when to me they were at their height in 06 07 08 whatever that's ridiculous to me so I'll leave them out but Wade's a perfect example like these people will start losing fans at some point. Those guys, have been able, been, they probably already have. That's exactly. my whole
2: point. Like, there's a there's fifteen years of people that don't care about any of those bands that we keep talking about
1: over and over and over again. Yeah, but they're probably not listening to this podcast either. Uh, uh, I don't know. If this is, we're maybe, on, we're,
2: on, we're on the new slang podcast. Well, I meant like,
1: yeah. I mean, if <laughs> that's so, know twenty two year olds listen to podcasts. Like, let's go around the horn and discuss that.
0: Yeah. Uh That's from tech dude. I don't know, some of them do, I guess. I don't know. Uh I think a better maybe a better not necessarily better but Yeah, say better, bro. Come on, a better, better example though is is somebody like Robert O'Keen. I feel like he's lost a lot of um that early cuz like like so the template of was so much built off of his live records right and
1: well definitely like dinner yeah yeah Yeah.
0: and but you've seen him trans like it's i I hate to say even transition because there's a lot of uh really great material that he he did while also doing the you know the road goes on forever but like people just latch on to that song as being his biggest song and like that's (laughs) like the the atmosphere that that's all he is or something like that while there is so much more to him, but like you've seen him transition from being like the, the biggest artist on the block to being further down the list, I guess.
1: Well, I think that young people will always latch themselves to the road goes on forever because it's something they can relate to Mm -hmm. young people cannot relate to his best song, which I think is uh, feeling good again, you know, it's not something that they've experienced. And that's normal. Young people will relate to the Coe Wetzel song about not being sober enough to drive to Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. But what does Co write in five years that they can relate to? If it's the same shit, then he'll go the way of Roger Krieger, who's just going to be playing that same song for his entire career. It, I'm going to, I'm going
2: to have to disagree as I always that's do. fine, but
1: yeah. He's it's, got two it's okay. Records. I, I'm not, we're very I, good. I, I'm not, but those records are antiquated now, right? Like depends on how old you are. Exactly. I'm talking about the younger generation. Yeah, this is
2: all about age. Exactly. It's that's my whole age. point is about age. That was my whole point before your point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that
2: welcome to the co-ride again, Tom, I
1: think, I think that, <laughs> I think that, there's so much unwritten about a scene that we're unfamiliar with now. And it's changed for you, Tom, and me, and, and especially Donovan, probably a couple times over. Um, no offense. But, no, no, it's real. Yeah, I know. but like, Shit hurts. I think, I, I think that there's so much unseen in this new era that we're just going to have to kind of watch it play out. And but what we, we,
2: but what we've said the last couple like at least the last like year and a half or two years I feel like it's as good as, it, as it's been in about ten years I really do I really do I yeah. feel like the good no, artists the very good artists are better than they've been in a long time I think and that, my the, my opinion of them it, of which artists those are are different than yeah, subjective the, right? popular, the popular ones but yeah. When it comes to like, can I pick out a bunch of great records and artists that are out there doing it and like kill like Drew's best record of all time and Courtney Patton and Jason Adam Hood still killing it and Grider is always awesome and Bowman is crushing it and like, like I, th- I think about it's way- best re- Char- Charlie Shafter who is probably my favorite person to watch play like these guys are just the music is still very, very
1: good. I think a better a better way to, to say it, I mean, is to say that everybody kind of has a place to land now in terms of a venue to play. Like those venues exist all over now for those guys that Donovan mentioned that I agree with are phenomenal. And they don't have to compete against the other guys that are doing bigger numbers with younger crowds because they don't care. Like, there's a venue in Fort Worth that holds 75 people in non COVID times that they can fill up when named the popular artist is playing Billy Bobs and putting 4,000 people in there. And those 75 people are gonna show up and pay the ticket price, and that artist is making money. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not breaking even, they're not losing money, they're not getting hurt by the fact that they're in the same town at the same time as. Some and the, vin- other and the venue
2: can live too.
1: Exactly. So we have all of these places for these different avenues to thrive. And that's a real benefit to music lovers like us.
0: Yeah. One of the things I've always gone, I've, I guess I've, I've touched on in the last few years has just been the most important thing in Texas. What makes Texas so much different than any other place is now Texas has an infrastructure. For that allows you to have this diverse uh, level of these whatever you want to call them the tiers of 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 Texas music, and you can have the the different kind of venues um, that people the seventy five person venue is their four thousand person venue. You, yeah. you know what I mean? So I, that's the um. And also, like, just to go back, you were talking about the, this is what, we had, like, the best music. It's at the most healthy it's been in 10 years or so. I, I agree. Um, and I think, like, people will often listen to people who talk about this kind of stuff and go, man, you guys are all so negative about everything. But it's I think it's one of those things where when you love something so much, you're given the allowance to nitpick it. You just want it to be good, man. Mm-hmm. You want it to be better. One of the, one of the questions I was wanting to ask you guys was, um, what what book, what artist needs like that behind the scenes book that you would like most like to read that doesn't have one that's within not necessarily it doesn't have to be necessarily Texas, but within you know the Americana scene. Is there like that book of oh one a book about Jason Isbell, or something, or whatever the case. Who's that artist that you're like? Oh, I need to get that book.
2: I mean, it's Walt, dude. It's Walt. Like Walt's life. Walt's, you know, going to Nashville. Like all. Like I feel like he has told us so many things, and has told many people during his shows because he's very open when he talks. But there's so much stuff that he has never said. You know, the guy's been he's done everything like, and he knows guy Clark and he knows Harlan Howard. And he like, he's it's Walt Wilkins to me. Like, I, I don't, it's not even close in my opinion. Yeah.
1: I would view it from a a, a couple of different perspectives from the fan perspective. And also from, if we're talking about like a tell all, what was the, what was the career like in, in not holding anything back, I would love to read a story f- firsthand from what Pat Green went through, from what it felt like when you you release um, whatever record it was that had Baby Doll on it and Cannonball and all those records and like what it must have felt like for him to completely lose the fan base that he, I mean, he built the scene. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's just no, you can't. True, I mean, He
2: did. Him. You're right. That, You're hundred like, percent. Right.
1: It's him. And then everybody else benefited off of what he did. And all those guys would tell you that they benefited off of Randy will tell you that Wade will tell you that forever. They owe everything that they have. It's like golfers in golf owing their, second place check to Tiger Woods like you should pay him a 90% tax rate because you wouldn't have it without him. It's the same thing like Randy would not be making $15,000 to headline some venue if it hadn't been for Pat, but I want to know what it felt like to be left in the dust, (laughs) you know, to Mm -hmm. be there to build it to be at the top of the fucking peak and then look around a couple of years later and realize that everything's left you behind. It'd be That's interesting. good.
0: That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, How I do think you feel like about it's...
2: Pat Tom? Like, I like, I'd, I don't think I've ever heard you say his name.
0: Yeah, oh, we, I mean, we talk but...
1: about him from um, a first-person perspective. Different dealings. Like, we obviously love the dude, and he's out. He's been great to both of us for a lot of lot of years, but. We've dealt
0: with good and bad. yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm
2: curious how you feel about him, man.
0: So like, obviously I don't know Pat on the, on a firsthand, like he's not in my phone. You know what I mean? Uh, I've interviewed him a handful of times and um, it's always been, you know, like that pleasant, whatever interview kind of thing. Um, I think like Pat is both, he's, it's this weird thing where he's both, severely underrated and overrated at the same time by people. Um, I I think that like, it's very, since he did, like you said, I think you can contribute. He contributed to so much of the infrastructure of what Texas is. Uh, And so like, I I think that like a lot of those, um, like the, like the record dance hall dreamer and stuff like that. I think those are like incredibly underrated. And I think that like the, uh, what's that one damn song he only it's on like the live records only uh where you like name check stevie ray vaughn and
1: oh uh nightmare nightmare Nightmare. Nightmare,
0: yeah i think that like that's one of the like like the, the 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 hidden gems of of texas music that people really don't think of pat as a songwriter songwriter more so as a performer but like and is it like the most is it is it uh, the best song ever written no, but I think like he he tapped into something that he's he's been underrated as a songwriter um and so like i, I that's where I kind of feel I, I feel like uh the first time I heard pat was wave on wave that was already like the big thing but like you obviously moving oh, up, that
2: hurt that hurts so much well, I mean it hurts
0: it it is you know moving up to Lubbock and going, Oh, Pat Green. He went to Texas Tech, and he this is where he kind of got started. Oh, so like people actually, you know, you can get started from places like this, you know. And then like that's where that's how I got into Corey
1: Morrow. Like they
0: were, yeah. I mean, yeah, move
1: away from the macro and look at the micro. Like you probably Mm -hmm. don't have a Lubbock scene without Pat,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. What's the strangest thing as far as, um. Because, like, the generation before those guys, uh, they were all kind of, like, born in Lubbock, right? Like, Joe Ely and Terry Allen and... Yeah, but those fans. are different. That's not a generation.
2: Like, that's where it starts. It starts with Pat. before. no, no. no. What I'm Joe saying, though, is, all like, those cats
0: are- all those guys were, like, born in Lubbock. After Pat, like, what's strange is people moving to Lubbock to start their music. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. That's the the difference. So, it's a... I don't know it's um i've I've met so many people who go oh I moved to Lubbock because like flatland uh sure. moved up here because he knew of blue light and he knew of like oh you can go to school and like you can try this music thing at the same time and actually well John maybe you know about
1: ba- I mean Bauman was talking about a lot I mean you know a lot of those guys there's i mean, they're I don't know. Like, like I said, macro, micro, like there's just a way to break down what happened up there in the same way you could break down what happened on the whole (laughs) uh, from the, from the scene perspective. And it was just easier to navigate. I think kind of what was going on there, I guess when you break it down into a smaller, a a smaller category, it makes more sense to, to do that. Like there were, I mean, like I would tell you, like there were times where I was like, man, I should have gone to fucking tech, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I said that
2: to you from the get go. I was like, why didn't you go
1: to college? Somewhere? Well, I wanted to go to Oklahoma and uh, I got a call on the way to orientation. That's from Walt that said, hey, I want to make a record with you. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm about to do this. I'm about to be the next Pat Green. I was stupid. I was a kid. I was 18. You know, that's just what happens. Is that what happens? <laughs> yeah, you make dumb decisions when you're young. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that definitely happens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, sorry, we, again, we can just keep no, no, hija- no, 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 hijacking no, no. your
2: shit, Tom. No,
0: to you're not fun. hijacking. It's, uh, yeah, no, um, I always like the like the book thing. So, like, that's a, I feel like that's, I want to write the, I have a book in me somewhere about Lubbock, about, like, Dude. the, Of course you do. Like you're the one, uh, you're the, you're Neo of Lubbock. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) We, we asked the question on the first half of this podcast. If you're listening to this one, go back, check out the first half of the, uh, the draft on the co-write podcast. But I asked you like, you know, kind of what the end goal for you is like, what would be the, achievement that you would say okay I'm good I've done I've done the thing that I want to do and you said write a book about the Lubbock music scene and instantly I thought who else should ever write a book about Lubbock music than you
0: yeah. I, I have thought of another answer though, since we have been talking about like something else that would, that would. Yeah,
2: Cause I just started writing a book about the, about the Lubbock music scene. I hope you can
1: get yours out before me.
0: <laughs> well, it, it'd be like, it'd be like the guy who wrote the, uh,
1: it'd be like the dude, I can't remember his name, but I read it. The guy who wrote the biography about Bruce with the first guy that had all the access to Bruce. And then like five years later, Bruce releases an autobiography and it sells, you know, whatever, 10 million copies. And he's just, yeah, like, well, uh, well, I
2: got right. screwed over. Back the other, to you, Tom,
0: Sorry. the other, um, thing that could be, um, a certain level of success since we've already brought up the ringer, let's, let's sell the new slang to the ringer. And, uh, <laughs> Get some of that Spotify Bill Simmons money. <laughs> yeah. No, totally totally <laughs> that, agree.
2: that is something that would work on the ringer.
0: No, of course not. But I mean, we, we can, I have oh, no problem. Ma- I don't
2: know how many subscriptions you got on the spot.
0: <laughs> not enough to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to no, um, but, but, uh, but for, cause I'm sure you read that thing that Bill wrote or the, that Bill, that piece about Bill, um, I have gone through a lot of uh, what did he say? He said something about how like, this isn't uh, an open mic, like podcasts are an open mic yeah. on the rigger. I, I have gone through the open mic. So, I mean, like
2: <laughs> I thought that was kind of fucking bullshit on him. Like, Oh I, no, it I, was I totally didn't degree, like don't, I'll, I'll call him out <laughs> all the time, but that was a little bit bullshit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last question. And this is kind of more of a, it's kind of like the book thing. Um, we all like television. We, you've, we've already mentioned The Wire and Friday Night. I don't know if you we mentioned Friday Night Lights, but Friday Night Lights is one of my favorites as well. Um, could a could a a a drama about Texas music be be a thing, a TV show? And where would you try and focus that on if you well, had to go to a town?
1: Or not something? Lubbock. Nashville was a success, right? Like that TV show? So, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you could do the same thing. You just have to get people to care about it. (laughs) Uh,
2: I think everybody would want it to be Austin.
0: Well, for sure. Would you... I guess, like, what what kind of character would you revolve that around?
3: Hmm.
2: You know... (laughs) Dude, it's fucking Pat Green. It's always Pat Green. <laughs> it's
1: Pat Green. I, you know, I'll, I'll break it. I, let me peel a few layers off that question because don't think for a second that I haven't thought about, not necessarily a TV show because doing multiple seasons... <laughs> I mean, I played I played multiple years in the Texas music scene and I know that at some point it just gets kind of redundant. But But a movie... You saw the movie about Blaze Foley kind of come out. Like, there's definitely a movie that exists. There's a script that you could write about that I think a lot of people who aren't privy to what we do in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Kansas, Missouri, that would be interested in just the life of a musician. I don't know what musician i would want to center it around actually it's matt powell bro yeah i mean probably matt would be a perfect example somebody like that
2: are you familiar be, uh, with matt powell tom
1: uh, i don't think so oh tom. Uh, All right. tom so tom, when we're tom. done we'll we'll get back to this we're not gonna do it now <laughs> you have homework my friend okay oh my god uh, dude well i mean matt was in west 84 was in okay. wade's band for a well, lot of years not but, west 84 but he was in yeah yeah yeah. i mean like you know the band i guess he was in well it was still wade bowen west 84 it just wasn't the original group but yeah he was in that band and uh i mean i i i'll say this so donovan doesn't have to matt powell is a top five songwriter that ever existed in the texas music scene he doesn't live here anymore he lives in uh, virginia where he's from but he was here for a really, a really, really long time. And he wrote, um, he, he wrote,
2: wrote $50 in a flask of crown. He wrote good thing. He wrote missing you that Wade put on a record. The, he wrote Bart shine did, that was on a Brandon Ryder record. Yeah, Bart did a song, uh, dandy lion. dandy lion, Yeah. But, but he also has like five or six records of his own, but he's yeah. dude, he's,
0: he's unbelievable.
2: If yeah. you like Ryan Adams, my friend, you will love Matt Powell.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to, I'll, I'm running them down right now.
1: Yeah. Matt, Matt Powell. Powell. But, but yeah, to answer your question, um, somebody like that, there's definitely a movie. You have to script. be a flawed character. Yes. There's definitely a movie script around what that life is like to be. A, a, just an exceptional songwriter and then, and then have a struggle with trying to kind of make it work because on a small scale people don't know like i mean i've lived up here for over, for a year now people look at music from a perspective of if you don't if i don't know your song there's no way you could make money being a musician right and we have people that we love like jason isbell and ryan adams who they've never heard of who have made boatloads of money making independent music Sergio Simpson, Tyler Childers now. Everybody's doing it, right? Like good artists are are blowing up on an independent scale, but they still live here in a mentality of like the 90s where like if I don't own your record, I've never heard of you before. And that's not true. We all know that's not true anymore. Um and I think that you could I I it'd be interesting for me to say like Pat who obviously has had success and has made his money playing music but we all know pat like i would be more interested in knowing about somebody like matt who is matt's a, was a great answer but there's a million other people dub miller i mean there's a million uh matt martindale
2: i was about to say matt martindale that's wow, what a, crazy what a, you said what that
1: a, what a great story that is like you know there's all those people that that have existed in this scene and have had such a large impact on countless other people that no longer live in the scene. Mike McClure. Yeah, Mike, Mike McClure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But there's just a lot of people. I think it would make a great movie. TV show, a little harder to write 10 seasons.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like well, the, 10
1: episodes, yeah.
0: Yeah. How about like the the mini-series? 100 series, <laughs> You know, like the... Yeah the four episode kind of. That's a great, that's a great dynamic. Like uh, you could
1: bring in a bunch of different people in that, in that mm, regard. Yeah, absolutely. All right.
2: I'll do it for you, bro. It's turnpike. It's turnpike. Four episodes (laughs)
0: turnpike. Well, you know, I I don't necessarily mean like, Hey, real world bands, but like somebody like those artists. Like, I think like an interesting story would be the, the Evan Felker prototype of the, um, the guy very much like um, uncomfortable with the fame aspect, Yeah, but like n- needs the artistic expression.
2: All right. So let me allow me to throw this in. Stony is kind of like a level down. Which like was a person that was on the trajectory, kind of going that direction, and it still it kind of went up and down and up and down and up and down, you know what I mean, like this was a guy that was a a super dynamic cat like that everybody was into and mm-hmm. didn't like jump to that turnpike level, but is still kind of around it, like how do as a character that's a that's a hard one to fight through yeah
1: i think i think with with stony you know like i mean he wasn't i don't mean this in a negative way but he wasn't as self-destructive as evan and i think stony's biggest problem and blues too to a to a degree was they were just kind of a day late and a dollar short like yeah but stony sold out billy bobs yeah but like yeah, I know that he did, but it was, like, right at the end, like, of that first wave of that group that kind of reinvented what Texas music was about, Sans Pat, like, the Randy, Ragweed, Wade, Stoney, and Blue. Like, the Red Dirt album came out, like, I remember, I remember having a record that was coming out and stony was looking for a band to tour with like, and that was broadcasted on the ranch in Fort worth, like open auditions to be in stony, the band to tour on this new album, the red dirt album that he has coming out. So that had to be Oh five. And so like, you've already got guys. Yeah. You already got guys that are kicking ass. And even then in Oh five Oh six, the, generations are starting to shift you know what i mean like it's that's just kind of how quickly it moves that, but that's not a bad answer i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that that's a bad answer because it's a weird it's just a yeah, weird it's just spot a weird to be in. Yeah. like you're kind of
2: like up there and you know what i mean like i don't know
1: yeah no I, good i'm question dude good question yeah that's a hell of a question
0: yeah um yeah like that. that where you're just like you're you're flirting with um, like a maintained success of, of like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, we all know those guys who they had that one, the one, the one great show and like the one or the one good year. And I could have been a contender, you know, like that whole <laughs> thing. I, I feel like those are what people mainly uh, relate to because like, we don't relate to the, I don't know. It, it's weird. It, I feel like on a human level, it's hard to relate to the people who are the geniuses and have not saying like Evan's a genius or something, but you get what I'm saying. Like it, it's harder to relate to someone like Bob Dylan than it is to someone. I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. So <laughs> Anyway, like so, I could
2: just cut this off and say, like, I don't really like turnpike troubadours that much.
1: <laughs>
0: I just messing yeah. with
2: you, bro. No, no, <laughs> I
1: yeah, say, yeah, yeah. I, I would say we could tap the brakes on comparing Evan to Bob Dylan,
0: but yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not, I'm trying, I'm not, I'm trying not to do that. Yeah, I, I don't think like that's the, the thing at all, but, um, yeah, but we, all love, our, we all love our stuff. Exactly. We that's all the love the beauty our of stuff,
1: music, man. Like, you
2: people you, look at me and they're like, Ryan Adams, really? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, Ryan Adams, better than everybody. I don't care what the, you say. You can't put anybody above him. They look yeah. at you and they go, and chance, then "Y'all are like, Yo, you're chance,
0: a fucking right? idiot." Well, see, like, that's the thing, though, oh, is like, true. I do love Turnpike a whole lot, but like, they're probably not even really like my favorite all time band or anything. They're not like. Oh, um, like, uh, really? we give gonna yeah, I like know who that might be, though. I don't even know if I have an answer for that anymore. Like, I don't know yeah, if I you
2: do come on.
0: I believe in that as a, I feel like you, like everyone has like 10 favorite bands through their life.
1: Yes. So we covered, we covered sports on the co-ride half of this episode. And, and Donovan asked you a question that I actually thought about earlier, not to ask you just thought about from my own perspective, when I was waiting for baseball to start all day anxiously, <laughs> like, like, I don't think that I could rate my favorite sports. Like, I don't know that I could put one above the other. I think that I have Oklahoma football, college football, uh, involving the Sooners. Number one, no problem. But you start asking me to, to like rank the Dallas stars compared to the Texas Rangers compared to golf that involves uh, Tiger tiger Phil, or I don't know that I could, really put them in an order that i'd be comfortable comfortable with like because to me the greatest thing that's ever happened in my sports life what did this have to do with music it's the same thing it's like trying to put your favorite band like i i'm agreeing with his
2: yeah i was, just trying, it, to, I was trying to figure out where you're going yeah his
1: <laughs> his inability to say i'm not sure that i have a favorite band oh okay All like right. i'm not i'm not sure that i i could do that either like when you love something so much and you just want to be involved in everything that happens all the time, like music or sports, it it's impossible to uh to to kind of put them in order. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm not saying that you can't put turn turnpike number one because I put the Sooners number one, but I'm just saying, like
0: Right. I think it it for me, and this would take a little bit more time, but I would be a lot it would be a lot easier for me to go, oh, my favorite band at 19 was this band. My exactly. favorite band. Yeah, than, no than right now because like it just feels like there's just there's a too much and Tom, it's hard. To I'm do.
2: sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but I have a tattoo on my back that I got because of Keith Sweat. <laughs> That's a true story. It's a panther. It's on my back. Keith Sweat. He's proving your point. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I don't know. It's 1993. Uh, it's- Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Wicker's Mesquite Smoked Jalapeno Jelly It's owned and operated by my buddy Wes Wicker, who makes the jelly in small batches for the best quality and freshness He smokes the peppers with mesquite and uses pure cane sugar to make the jelly What you get is this great blend of smoky, sweet, and spicy It's addictively savory For those uninitiated Wickers is a great addition to any chef's kitchen. Part of what makes Wickers so great is just how versatile it really is. For starters, it makes a great meat glaze. Throw it on a batch of hot wings, use it on some pork ribs, some pork chops, really whatever you can think of. Eat it on biscuits, cornbread, bagels, or toast. Throw it on a ham or turkey sandwich. Another super simple but effective way is to get some cream cheese, throw some wickers on top, and then grab your favorite cracker. Wickers is currently stocked at a handful of places in Lubbock and on the South Plains, as well as some Fort Worth and DFW locations. But the easiest way to get your hands on a jar is to head over to wickerstx.com. That's W-I-C-K-E-R-S-T-X.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes for good measure. They currently come in two varieties, original and now hot. If you need just a little bit more kick in your bite. You can order anything from one jar to a case of twelve, whatever fits your needs. Again, that's wickerstx.com. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, do you want you guys wanna finish out the draft?
2: Let's do the draft. <laughs> He's like, I'm done with this shit. I'm <laughs> no, done with no, talking no, no. to you I'm done with
1: talking to y'all. Just- He's gonna go. He's gonna go. YouTube Keith Sweat after this. He's like, spec, right? no, he's I know. Gonna, he's gonna be like, oh my well, god, no. why did I no, talk I to mean, you like bastard. to 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 try to understand Donovan more? What you know? is Keith <laughs> gonna take a deeper dive? All right, let's recap this draft real quick. All right, so we'll, um, not to hijack your podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah, go to. with it. Um, we decided to do a, a, our favorite festival lineup. We are gonna do six rounds of drafting. But we each got one guaranteed spot, our favorite artists. And, well, I mean, what we thought was Tom's favorite artist, but now we're learning different. Uh, Mine is Bruce Springsteen, Tom got Turnpike Troubadours, and uh, Donovan got Ryan Adams. And then we've picked three rounds already. We're going to pick the other three now. If you want to hear the first three rounds, check out the Co-Write podcast uh, with Tom Mooney in this draft, and you'll hear them. Um, I don't even know if I want to tell people what they were so they can go listen to the podcast if they want to, but I'll tell them if you guys think it's cool. Nobody said anything, so we'll just keep moving on. Go back over there, figure out the other draft. At the end of this, you're going to get a recap of our entire festival anyway, so it doesn't matter.
2: All right, so my <laughs> I am starting the fourth round of the snake.
1: Donovan Dodd.
2: And I am going to go with... Man, I should have had this ready. I'm going to take the Topo Chico Cowboys. Wow, that is Drew Kennedy and Josh Greider, and they deserve an audience. And that's uh, that's where I'm going with that. Great songs. They're gonna have you're gonna have a blast listening to them. Have a Tequila sunrise or a, some sort of a uh you know crispy aperol spritz while you listen to them because <laughs> they're going to start the start the uh the festival and that's that's who I'm going with
1: all right hold on i think we should probably talk about the bands that we've taken so far
2: oh okay, cool. well you <laughs> yeah. just said we weren't going to yeah i think again, we should though. i get
1: fucked twice I'm not sure that that's the case. Uh, it is. So the first, I had the first pick. We're doing a snake draft. So I went one. Tom went two. Donovan went three. Donovan went four. Tom went five. I went <coughs> six. So on and so forth. You went seven. Tom went yeah. eight. <laughs> exactly. <seven nine. laughs> so my my picks so far have been the Randy Rogers band number one overall. Kind of. Followed by Reckless Kelly. Followed by Jackson Brown. Tom went Fleetwood Mac. Great pick. Very controversial second pick with the Dixie Chicks, which are from Texas, but Donovan and I considered them more of a national scale, but we'll give it to him. You know what? Thinking outside the box, we love it. Third pick, very reputable pick, Terry Allen. Pulling in the 806 to to get a little more cred where he should have had it maybe like 30 years ago. Donovan's first pick overall was Taylor Swift. Not – I mean, it's hard to argue against that one. Second pick, interesting for the second round, I believe. Mike and the Moon Pies. They probably would have existed in the third round, but you went ahead and took them. You're like the Cowboys taking uh, Dak – no, that's not true. You're like uh, like – Terrible, terrible. Yeah, it is. That's not a good one. You're like –
2: Actually, I just took the best Texas band first.
1: Arguable. Mm, cool. Arguable. Then you took Pat, and now you've taken the Topo Chico Cowboys. Yeah, love it. So it's Tom's choice. This is my goddamn festival. Right now, I have Tom Envy, to a degree.
0: So my next, pick, my next pick is Emma. I don't know where she's going to fit in here. I think she could go either date. To be perfectly honest, Uh, Jamie Lynn Wilson. We're we're gonna put her in there. Uh, I'll get back to you on what date or what's the days the the Turnpike, Terry Allen, Jamie Lynn doesn't matter, dude. She's gonna sing
2: with every band that is (laughs) on your
0: festival. You're you're right on that actually. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, we're gonna we're throwing her in there. I like it. Okay, so I've got.
1: I've got Reckless Jackson and Bruce covering one day. I need to start rounding out my RRB headlining day. I'm going to go I'm going to go with a band that I would love to see because it's my festival and I have that opportunity. I'm going to take William Clark Green here in, in the fourth round spot. Probably my favorite band to watch live. Um, At least the band that I would say to everybody who hadn't seen them, you should probably go check that out. I watched them play in New York at the end of February. And I will say that after seeing them in Texas and then out of their element, which I've enjoyed uh, as well, it's, it's just a really good show. Really good show. And I get to go again, too, don't I? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's see. This is a really tough choice. There's a big one still on the table that I would love to have on my festival. But... Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I'll do Jamie Lynn's best friend here. I'll do Courtney Patton. To me, there's no better live singer that I've ever come across than Courtney. Secondary, there's no better hang (laughs) uh, than Courtney. So if I'm putting on the festival and I have all access to all of these people, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess I know three of them, but like I would just navigate to her to be around anyway. And I would love to play rhythm guitar in that band. And so, yeah, I'm going to take Courtney Patton round five and then we'll see if I catch a big fish in round six.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm thinking here the, my next pick, I don't know. I'm does this feel like a like a snake draft for fantasy football, where like the timer's going and you're like, oh shit, do I pick? Who should I pick? Who who? Because I I feel that very much right now, and things just like shit hits the fan, and like you're just struggling to figure out what you're doing. I got
2: this list, I got a list.
0: It's of yeah, all I, I'm looking at my list right here, but I'm still going. Oh man, who do I go with? Um, I think what I'm going to do here is. Well, ooh, you know, I don't know. We're going to go ahead and go with like my initial gut. And that is with, um, the, if we're going to put this on the Turnpike Day and we're going to go with Charlie Crockett. Ooh, nice. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, Charlie Crockett, we'll go with, Charlie with
2: a Y. All right. All right. Well, I mean, so you chose. Um, I you said
1: Charlie with a Y.
2: The Dixie <laughs> Chicks earlier, so I can choose Miranda Lambert and Casey Musgraves if I want right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. You could. I'm not going to because that's bullshit. Just like your chick's pick was bullshit. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. You can go back to the co-write podcast to hear us uh, telling me he's bullshit. Um, so I am going to go with Walt Wilkins and the Mr. Carrows back for a reunion. And I'm actually going to take Cody Jinx. So that's my
1: six. That's my six. So Donovan's festival is Ryan Adams, Taylor Swift, Mike and the Moon Pies, Pat Green, the Topo Chico Cowboys, Walt Wilkins, and Cody Jinks. Boom. Pretty
2: solid. Thank you. You're
1: welcome.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with... I don't know, man.
1: Uh. Yeah. See, this <laughs> is the problem that we talked about earlier running into is there's so many bands and just only three of us.
0: <laughs> right, right, We right. need about That's, 10 people. Yeah. You know, the, I think I'm going to go with another band that I just feel is like super underrated. And um, I guess what I'm going to do is I'm, on my on my list here, I would throw Jamie Lynn on the Fleetwood Mac day, even though like we've already established, he's probably going to be singing with anybody and everybody on there. Um, and who's opening up that first day is uh, Quaker City Nighthawks. Ooh, All right. they're going to be like the ones who kind of like just let the, I guess like especially since it's out in the desert. The the mood setter.
1: That's a really uh, that's a really solid pick.
2: Yeah, you're an asshole for taking them because they're really great.
1: I think we're all buying tickets to Tom's festival. God damn it, Tom! I mean, I'm definitely buying tickets to my own to watch Bruce, and I'll probably buy tickets to Donovan's just to see Taylor Swift. But the other days, maybe <laughs> both days for Tom, though. All right, so I get the last pick. I'm just gonna take. An OG, a guy that I think is head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of songwriting. Um, cards. That's right. Uh, I'm going to go, to round out my day, I'm going to go, this is how my festival will run. Day one, headliner, Randy Rogers' band. Opener, Courtney Patton, direct support to round out my draft will be Wade Bowen because, come on, you're going to get two for one. They're going to have the uh, hold my beer and watch this dynamic. You could get a few extra things out of it, um, which every concert promoter would want. So I'll take Wade Bowen and round out the festival draft. Our apologies to Josh Abbott. We ran out of time.
3: (laughs) 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 But. Okay.
1: (laughs) But yes, that's, that's (laughs) always. All right. Let's go over these festival lineups. Like you tell us podcast listeners, would you come to a festival that had Wade, Courtney, Randy, Jackson Brown, Reckless Kelly, Bruce Springsteen, William Clark Green, or... Actually, Tom definitely does win. (laughs) Like, come on, give me a break. Uh, One day you've got Quaker City Nighthawks, Jamie Lynn Wilson, Turnpike Troubadours, Terry Allen, Turnpike Troubadours, right? And then you've got Charlie Crockett, the Dixie Chicks, or the Chicks, Fleetwood Mac, and you're going to get a, a really good variety of
2: fans. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I
1: still win. Okay, Donovan wins with Taylor Swift, Ryan Adams, Mike and the Moon Pies, Pat Green, Topo Chico Cowboys, Walt Wilkins, and Cody Jinks.
2: That's basically, you can't beat that. Sorry. That's why it's called Our Festivals. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, who is uh who who's like the the, the name on your I want to see that list that you have basically. You okay. you got you, you, your phone. Mine? Yeah, you you've showed your phone. Did you have stuff right, written down, Bobby? Or people uh, written and, down? And, and I got Radney
2: Foster. Oh, I didn't realize we were just doing Texas only. Josh Weathers obviously, Will Hogue, I had McKenna. Like I thought these were kind of like um like our scene, I, I, I would have absolutely put Laurie McKenna in there. I had Will, I had Stoney, I had uh, I had Shafter and Rodney together, like as a, you know, like Topo Chico Cowboys type deal, like Charlie Shafter and Rodney Parker, like those guys together. Are so great. Um, I had Courtney, I had Adam hood, um, Robert Earl, of course, and uh, Mike McClure and Cody Canada. So
1: I did not have a bunch written down. I just
0: worked off of, of
1: memory. And because it's hard to have a bunch written down and then you see a few of them evaporate and you start to panic. <laughs> right, right. So I was just writing them down as you chose. My
2: national bands, though, I had Roots, Jay, Kanye, Outkast, uh, Beyonce, and the Eagles.
1: Better put Kanye quick before he gets locked up.
2: Now, I, was doing, I was hoping you guys would let me do the Watch the Thrones tour. <laughs>
1: You could have you had the ability to choose
2: Yeah, I, I figured it was Taylor, man. It had to be
1: Taylor. Well, she's gonna sell more tickets, but yes.
2: I just want to see Taylor. I've seen the Watch of Thrones tour. <laughs> Makes sense.
0: Yeah, like the I guess like I I was thinking there was a there was a, a moment where I could I was thinking about do I make this a very like uh a very kind of exclusive thing where you it's more of the the acoustic songwriter thing where we could i could have gone more the we're going Lori mckenna we're just going like that kind of route we're making it a a destination festival where it's just songwriters i thought about maybe doing something like that but rhymes and vines
2: <laughs> i would have taken mckenna but you said dixie chicks And that was because they're from Texas, and I was like, "Oh, well, I guess then Norlin McKenna is just well,
0: no, no, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't have picked Fleetwood Mac though at that point. That's what.
1: Yeah, Lori McKenna is definitely not a Texas music
0: act. Yeah,
2: I know. That's uh, yeah, we all obviously didn't really understand what we were.
0: No, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. If I would have picked McKenna, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have picked Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, that's where my pick would have went for the national act. So it would have been... Oh, really oh, gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I had all the usual suspects on my list. Thought about old 97s. I thought about Rodney. Um, I don't know. Like that was, that was pretty much... Actually, you know, the one band that I thought about going instead of Fleetwood Mac for the National Act would have been The War on Drugs. And going back. I've
2: heard a lot about them, man. I've never really l- listened to that group.
0: You got some homework to do. Really? <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I've
2: heard I've heard a lot about them, man. I've never listened.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's actually one of my my that's probably like my favorite band of like the last four or five years has been the war on drugs. I just think like they're is it incredible. just
2: Nancy Reagan just like singing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish, right? Yeah.
1: Maybe not. <laughs>
2: That's a world drugs joke, everybody.
1: Dare. <laughs> I'll check that out. That's good homework. All
0: right. All right, that's it for this crossover episode. Be sure to check out part one if you haven't. Subscribe to the co-write and new Slung of course, as well. Check out episode sponsors, The Blue Light Live, Tom's Daiquiri, and Wicker's Jalapeno Jelly. Okay, I'll see y'all next week.